This week, we are hosting a talk on 1984. We are honored to be joined by Pai Harjinder Singh Ji from Akal Publishers from the UK. Pai Sab is an author, writer, and uh, who focuses on Sikh history, philosophy, and politics. Pai Sab has also written books such as Reflections on 1984, The Game of, and The Game of Love, all of which is available on the Akal Publishers website, akalpublishers.com. We want to thank Pai Harjinder Singh Ji from Akal Publishers for taking out the time and coming on. Please note this talk will be recorded and posted on our social media platforms. The anonymous question box uh, will be ready in a few minutes and you, the verified Sangat will be able to see it and you will be able to submit your questions. Um, and if the time allows, um, also feel free to unmute and ask questions directly. We'll see, we'll see how that goes with the time. And without further ado, we'll pass on to Pai Harjin, the Singji Kal Publishers. And please ensure you can uh, that you click on the watch stream to view the presentation that Pai Sabji has prepared for this talk. So, Haji Pai Sabji. पूरा सो पहचानिए जो रे दीन के हेत पुरजा पुरजा कट मरे कबू न छाडे खेत पुरजा पुरजा कट मरे कबू न छाडे खेत ज्ञान ज्ञान किस कर्म न जाना सार न जाना तेरी सब ते वड्डा सतगुरु नानक जिन फल राखी मेरी सब ते वड्डा सतगुरु नानक जिन फल राखी मेरी so the Sangat of Sikh Discord has already sent me some questions or the moderators have. So this presentation today is actually based upon pre-existing questions that I've got from the Discord moderators. In terms of questions today, I'm not feeling too well. I've had a migraine since the morning, so I'm not sure how long I will last. In terms of the talk, but I will do the whole of the presentation because of the pre-existing questions. I think there might already be some preset ones at the end as well, but we'll just get going on the presentation. So, in terms of the story, so I was asked to cover the build-up to 1984. That this, that's the question that we're going to address first. So the characters in the Ragandhi Santanal Singh timeline from 1947 to 1984, and the history propaganda. What's the actual truth behind that? So initially. In terms of freeing ourselves from the British, we had peaceful tactics of freeing the Godbare, where Sikhs uh, peacefully protested to free the Godbare. And alongside that, we had the guerrilla tactics as well of the uh, Godbare Karlis. So we had a twofold uh, sort of movement. Huh? Mass participation was through peaceful protests, and some Sikhs also raised arms against the British. So that's what we had with a twofold movement. And that's what we always have in Sikh history. You always have a peaceful arm and an armed arm. In terms of sacrifices during the British, so freeing the India from the British, Anna, 73 of the 121 executed were Sikhs, 2,147 of the 266 four were who uh, got a life imprisonment to a Sikh, 799 of the dead in Jaliwala Park out of the 1802 
Royal Soft Six. And I said the source of this is something that's sent out, page 502 in his book, printed in 1912. So the new edition's page might slightly uh, differ. Okay, and so what happened was the Sikhs mass participated uh, in the freedom movement, but what they did was uh, they uh, they didn't then participate after freeing the Godhead on a mass basis, and leaders like Gandhi and Nehru made fake promises to free the Sikhs, uh, to help the Sikhs experience uh, sort of freedom in India, which didn't really happen. So they made fake promises around that. And Pakistan, so Dina was the lead person for Pakistan on the left. These two are the leaders of Sikh ones, so Baldev Singh in the middle of Masatara Singh on the right. So in Sikh history, we sort of uh, disdain the two Sikh leaders because they didn't really get us anything in independence of the two countries. And in terms of independence, so I've used a, a tune card from Sikh tunes, and so messages for the Sikhs on Independence Day. So Indian PM is a Sikh, so is the army chief. They seem happy, so should you. So that, this was created some years ago, so at the time, Manwan Singh was the Prime Minister. Our constitution, constitution considers you Hindu, so do we. Why be a minority when the majority can consume you with love Indian government? So these things actually exist, Anna, in the constitution of India. So did we really get independence in 1947? Pakistan was made a majority Muslim state with Bangladesh at the time, uh, being East Pakistan, I think it was. So Muslims got that in terms of Pakistan and East, West Pakistan, whatever it was called. But we didn't really get our own country. We got our homeland, Punjab, actually divided in two within Pakistan and India. On the Constitution of 1950, there's an Article 25 of the Constitution. And in, in it, it says, these are the actual words from Rihanna. So the reference of Hindus shall be construed as including a reference to person professing the Sikh, Jain, or Buddhist religion. So, and the reference to Hindu religions, religious, religious institutions shall be construed accordingly. So, Sikhs were seen as Hindus is what it basically says. And up until recently, anyone who was a Sikh who wanted to register their marriage in India used to have to do it under the Hindu Marriage Act. But only recently they've introduced the Sikh Marriage Act. In 1956, the Indian states were uh, set up on a linguistic basis. So Gujarat, the first language of Gujarat was made Gujarati and so forth in the different states. But Punjab, for some reason, they didn't give Punjabi preference. They made Hindi preferred language. And because of that, the Sikhs then made a struggle to get Punjabi language recognised. And through that, there was a Punjabi Suba struggle. And then what happens is, the Punjab we've got today is a truncated state. So at the time, Punjab included Haryana all the way up to Delhi and uh, parts of Himachal Pradesh and UP as well. And so what happens is the Punjab we've got today was sort of created in 1966, again, through peaceful protests. And if you look at the photo on the right-hand side, that's actually from the protests. And you can see it's like Sikh officers as well who are arresting these peaceful protesters. So the protests were led by Mustafa Singh at the time. So we've got a truncated Punjab, really. We've got a smaller state. We've got Punjabi status, but we lost so much as well. And we've got Chandigarh as a shared capital with Haryana. And in the 70s and 80s, this is what went on. And so Indira Gandhi, she was an Oxford failure. So she went to Oxford University in the UK, failed at the university. She married a Parsi, right stroke Muslim. I'm not sure what the Parsis are as a race or as a racial group or even a religious group. From what I know, they are generally Muslims. And his name was Faroz. And to cover that up, 
they gave him the name Gandhi. So his name wasn't really Gandhi, but they just did that to like up near the Rakhana, let's say. And uh, Indira Gandhi, as she began to be known then because her husband changed his name to Gandhi, she portrayed herself as Durga, so the goddess, or you could say the Devi of War. So Bangladesh got independence in 1971, and a lot of that. Uh, independence war was fought through guerrilla tactics and General Sabirson had a massive hand in freeing Bangladesh from there. And so she was portrayed as like this warmongering, uh, undefeatable prime minister who went against the scourge of Pakistan and freed Bangladesh. But then in 1975, Indra the tyrant emerges, in which, in which she calls a state of emergency. So she uh, cancels parliament. So state of emergency is very similar to what happened to, in a lot of countries in COVID. The parliament might have been suspended, everyone went home, no one came on the streets, even the army might have come out on the streets in some places and, uh, to impose curfews. So the state of emergency in 1975 it was very similar to what Indira Gandhi did in India. And she gave reasons for that India's under threat of invasion from Pakistan and a multitude of other reasons. But really, the reason she called the state of emergency was because there was an inquiring to corruption of herself and com committing crimes in terms of corruption of uh, election fraud and she was going to get found guilty in court and to avoid going to jail she called this state of emergency for spurious reasons and for 19 months from 1975 that state of emergency continued and it was only the Sikhs who came out at this point so this even photos of uh, Narendra Modi who's the current Prime Minister of India with the Dastaran and Mucha. So he actually changed his base into a base of a Sikh to not get arrested. So he's been in politics that long as well. Huh? So in 1975, she literally uh, arrested all her opposition as well. And it's only the Sikhs who actually went out and became the last bastion of freedom for India. So the Sikhs were the ones who came out and protested against the emergency. So 50,000 Sikhs courted arrest in this period. Huh? And then she also started a sterilization program saying that. Uh, we need sterilizations because the population of India is out of control. So she forcibly sterilized a lot of people and greedy people were the ones who suffered in this period because India is very corrupt as a country. So if you can bribe the officials and not get sterilized, they'll just sign the form you were sterilized. But people who were poor couldn't do that. So they were forcibly sterilized and they're the ones who probably needed offspring in terms of economic continuation for their family or survival. So during this period as well, we get Sankartasin come to the forefront in terms of fighting the emergency and uh, going against Indira Gandhi doing uh, protests, peaceful protests. And even at that time, the Akali leaders all took refuge in Darbar Sahib because they were under, uh, under threat of arrest. So it's very similar to 1984, what emerges there. So everyone took refuge in Darbar Sahib to, not, to avoid arrest. So Bhai Fajr saying emerges here as well. Uh, he wasn't that well known really because even in the Akhandakita Jatha he was seen as very extreme so even people in the Jatha might not have liked him because he was very karku and uh, the Narankaris emerged as a political group and a religious group who were causing sacrilege against the Sikhs and saying things like if Guru Gobind Singh made Panchbi I will make Sat Satare so seven stars and uh, so this was the sort of political turmoil that was emerging so we had the emergency last for 19 months and then all of a sudden on Basaki in 1978, we've got Gindar and Gadi Sudhim challenging the Sikhs, doing a Nagarkita in on Basaki day. And obviously, that leads to 
the clash of the Nagliran guys and 13 Sikhs getting Shaheed on that Vasakhi in 1978. And Sant Singh led these protests against Indira Gandhi during the Shatab of the year of Sri Gurdjieff Bahadur Shahidi, so Rose of Momat is quite bad, and I saw 300 years of Gurdjieff Bahadur Shahidi, but it was a major date. And during those programs, Sant Kirtar Singh did Burjar against Indira Gandhi, even at Delhi, they actually lambasted the Gali leadership and the Sikh leadership on the stage. Indira Gandhi attended a program there and they all stood up when she walked in and Sant Kirtar Singh went on the mic. Someone in the UK has got the footage, but the guy's not sharing it at the moment, he's not releasing it. But on the stage, Santhak Singh says that if one, you did be, I'd be by standing up to give her respect in Guru Granth Sahib Hijuri. And secondly, she wouldn't even exist as a Hindu if Sri Gurdjieff Bahadur had given the Shahidi. So Santhak Singh immediately like, went against Indira Gandhi two times, Anna, in terms of the emergency and then this as well with the Shatabdi. And the problems that the Sikhs faced at the time, alcohol abuse, minority status in India, minority status across the whole of India, legislative discrimination in terms of what we said in terms of the Hindu uh, acts and stuff as well, in terms of marriages and things like that. Lots of, Punjab, lots of Punjabi areas, while the Punjabi Subha. So there's areas of Punjab that were lost to Haryana, Sola, Kambala. It's majority Punjabi speaking and majority Sikh. Places like Shahabad as well. So very close to the Punjab-Haryana border, those areas were lost. Attacks on faith of the Sikhs, heritage and practices, so the Nakhlinankaris and setting up like fake god men to go against the Sikhs as well. Punjab then, during this period also, experiences a green revolution. So with the current uh, Kisan Morj and things like that, a lot of things have come out about the green revolution that occurred. So in the past, a lot of us, especially me, like as Pratjadis, we used to say it's be a good thing for Punjab. But now it's coming out actually for the long term, sustainability of Punjab is actually one of the worst things to happen because of pesticides and things like that and multinationals coming in there and but in essence in terms of the prosperity of India the green revolution in Punjab created a breadbasket for the whole of India so Paddy came from Punjab to the rest of India so uh, mechanization of uh, farming in Punjab and uh, use of pesticides and other things like that so double triple usage of the land where it had been one crop in a year they were pulling out two or three plus the water, so using the water of Punjab or using agricultural electricity to pump the water and things like that. So what the Punjabis needed at this point was economic justice as well. So the growth of state wealth occurred, but there was a lack of inward investment. So the state wasn't getting money back really. And even with the paddy, they weren't getting fair prices. River waters of Bias and Ravi are still to this day uh, diverted to other states and diverted even to desert lands in Rajasthan. And Punjab's a water-rich state, that's its only resource, yet they don't get no recompense in terms of international law of the water usage. Uh, and nationality, nationally, all these problems that the Sikhs raised were portrayed as communal problems and the Sikhs are just being problematic as a community rather than addressing the real needs of the Sikh community. Now, the brains behind the movement were two Gursikhs, which are here on the screen, and also Sardar Kapoor Singh and something else saying. So Sardar Kapoor Singh in that photo, where he's sitting is Sant. Uh, Gopal Singh Shaheed, who's from America now, currently, who lives in California, he actually carried Sardar Kapoor Singh on his shoulders up to the roof where his photo was taken because Sardar Kapoor Singh at the time couldn't walk because of old age. But Sardar Kapoor Singh is the author of the Anandpur Sahib resolution. So let's go to the next slide. So Anandpur Sahib resolution was actually written uh, just before 1973. So in October 1973, it's first introduced as a document 
to the Akalis, Vaisat Lakapur Singh, and then 1978 sort of gets adopted to pursue Hana as a policy document, let's say, Hana. So what was the Anantul Sahib resolution saying? If you want to see, you can find it on the internet, and it should be on SikhShahad.com, I think. So there have been a lot of documents you can find on the internet on SikhShahad.com. The website's not very popular, but it's got a lot of resources on there. And it also, you can find it at the back of my book, Reflections on 1984, so the full document of the Anantul Sahib resolution. So this is just a snippet, Sana, just key points, Sana. So Sikh autonomy within the Union of India, bringing together Sikh populations. Now, true federal system, Cent so the central government only have rule over defence, foreign relations, currency and general communications. So these two points, the first one, the grey one and the yellow one at the top, it was about ensuring that what happened in the emergency in 1975 and 19 months didn't occur again, that the centre cannot impose draconian laws on the whole of India. So that's why they wanted a true federal system, a bit like the US, and that the centre only interfered in minor things in the state. So what the Sikhs were actually fighting for was freedoms of all states in India, not just for Punjab. So that's what this was about. And then bringing together Sikh populations from adjoining states to back into Punjab as well. So like I've mentioned already, Ambala and places like that, even UP, even Rajasthan, Ganganagar and places like that, because the Sikhs lost out when they got Punjabi Suba. Equitable distribution of river water. So if you give it to other states, you give us some money for it. Jandigar as the capital of Punjab, not shared capital. Economic reforms and possibly a Ludhiana stock exchange. Minority quotas removed from armed services. And that's, that was one of the things that they did, Hannah. But what we were saying was we should get those reinstated as a martial right. So, you're the only Khan, Dominic Mutuksal. So, Baba Deep Singh, as you know, fought from the Dabao Sahib. So did Baba Gurbak Singh, the second death of that. And then we had Santin Al Singh during 1984. In terms of Santin Al Singh, was present at the Nanangari clash in terms of being at the Dabao side, but the Sengs agreed that Santin is not going to go. And my personal belief is by Fajr Singh knew he was going to go into get Shaheed as well. So Santana Singh actually does the Ardas for the Jatha to leave, but it's agreed before the Ardas is done that Sant's not going to go to the uh, protest. Now, what it was at the time, the Sikhs, as far as I were concerned, they were going for a peaceful protest. So it wasn't like an armed clash. So the Sikhs, obviously, you know, you're going on a protest, you still pick up whatever you can. So they just picked up whatever dance or that was there and just went. Now, Santa Nelson was, in essence, a leader of a seminary, which is which is like a school of education in Sikhi. So that's what he was. That's what he represented. Spoke against Sikh discrimination and Sikhs being enslaved. Now, what you have to realize is while Santa Nelson, prior to 84, might have become popular in Punjab, but in terms of the national perspective of Santa Nelson, because of the media and things, Santa Nelson was generally seen quite badly by Sikhs. But what happened was all his words and his speeches became prophetic because what he said actually happened to everyone. So even if it wasn't happening with you at the time and you thought Sant was speaking wrongly, when Delhi genocide happens in 84 and other things happened, it became to be everyone's rural steps. Everyone realised actually he was right all along. So Sant and Larson courted arrest voluntarily for investigation into the murder of a journalist who said Lala Jagdhan in 1981. And even when he gets arrested in 1981, when he courts arrest at Mehta, the police opened uh, fire and killed, I think, seven Sikhs at Mehta at the time. So he courted arrest voluntarily. So if we're going to say that they came to get Santa Singh in 1984, well, he courted arrest. Why wouldn't he court arrest again? And there was never any arrest warrants. And there was never an FIRR. So an FIRR is the first information report. To report any crime in India, you have to register the FIR, which is the first information report. So that's how a criminal charge starts. That's the pursuit of a criminal 
but there is not a single FIR out on Santanasi. Santanasi voluntarily goes into prison and gets questioned for a number of days and comes out, I think, within 20 days or something like that. So there was a face-off with the government about Sikh rights in terms of the Dalimud Morja and other things. So Bayamalik Singh, Baba Tala Singh, Hajjan Singh Longawal emerged in this period. So what actually happens is a guy called uh, Jagi Singh Mahant gets arrested. Bayamalik Singh Mahant is a Singh of the Dalimud Ksal and he's still alive. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. But Mahant gets arrested. I think this is 1982, if I'm right. Yeah. So Mahant gets arrested, and I can't remember which order it is. I think it's Bayamalik Singh goes to free Mahant from his charges. So he goes to the police station to investigate, and they then arrest Bayamalik Singh. Then Babatala Singh goes to free Bayamalik Singh, and they arrest Babatala Singh. So both Babatala Singh and Bayamalik Singh, that's what everyone knows in terms of the Sikh history, that they got arrested. It's, it's like a little unknown fact that Mahant was the first one in actually that it all started from. And then that snowballed, and then Santanar Singh started peaceful protests to get them freed from jail. Especially by Amrik Singh, because he's the leader of the All India Sikh Sun Federation. Baba Tara Singh was the Jathadar of Mehta, so as the Goddara and the Tuxal Dirahana, and he's respected in the Tuxal as well. So the Taliyad Murja, uh, the Akalis clocked on that their Anandpur Sahib resolution, their Mata wasn't getting anywhere. So they then thought, let's use this document and do what Santi is doing with the peaceful protests with freeing these Sangs. So they then put, brought that forward and then re uh, sort of. Uh, uh, relabeled it, let's say, peaceful protests and called it Daniel Morja. And uh, it's, so this, so what they started doing, Rasta Ruko, Rail Ruko, so do road block, do a train block, and there he is, yeah, our old Muginzana, Prakasing Badal, yeah, Badal Sadahana. So Badal's been around that long, yeah, he's, he's already been the chief minister at this point, and there he is, caught in arrest, yeah, playing the victim. But anyway, I don't particularly like and so being so critical. Anyway, Mass movement of peaceful protests, so between 1982 to 1984, and led by Santhal Longawal. repeatedly says he is the dictator of the Murja, but really Santhal was seen as a figurehead as well. 250,000 Sikhs, a quarter of a million Sikhs court arrest, peacefully protesting during this period. And in terms of the All India Sikhs Federation, there's two other figures here, Anna. So Bibi Abgar Gore on the left, who is the leader of the president of the Women's Wing of the Federation, and uh, this is a Harminder Singh Sandhu, who was the General Secretary. But Harminder Singh Sandhu, up until recently, we couldn't say this, even though we knew, he also led a militant organisation called the Gusmerj Regiment. So prior to 1984, assassinations were carried out by Babur Khalsa, so the Singhs on the left, bottom left, and in the white you can see by Vallava Singh Babur, who's the current leader of Babur Khalsa. To the left of him, between the big Singh with the white Bastard as well, with the big city that's by Harminder Singh Babur. And to the left of him, further with the Garba in his hand, that's by Kalwan Singh Nagoke. Yeah, so that's one of the original photos in terms of Baba Khalsa before they got sort of famous, let's say. Right? So these things on the left, in the bottom left, right? they were the Baba Khalsa things, and they were carrying out assassinations since the Narangari Khan since 1978. But then the unknown element, which was led by this guy on the right, Harminder right? Singh Sandhu, was the Smesh Regiment. The Smirsh Regiment was also carrying assassinations, and uh, the Smirsh Regiment was made up of mostly the Sangs of the Tuxal and the Federation. But the Smirsh Regiment they used to take uh, Jumawadi, so they used to take uh, responsibility for certain killings, but no one knew who they were, who, the, who was the leader, who was run by, and it was all under a cloud of mysteries.
So I've got recently thanks confirming it was always Sandhu who is the leader. So in these photos, you got Vaisalinda Singh, Sodhi, Sodhi, and Pai Mandir Singh Jaheru. Top left, you got General Lab Singh, and that same single Singh Jahi is sitting opposite General Lab Singh there with some sort of gun, it looks like possibly all the money at Mayana for the Gurban. Then you got Baba Manojal, and you got Jaheru again, and Pai Mandir Singh Jaheru. So all these things are Shahid on this whole time. Now, apart from the top left, the Gopal Singh Shahid, I'm not sure about the others in the Prakarma, but the ones at the back, one of them definitely Shahid in 84 as well. So training, arms and fortifications by the defending Sikhs in the Dabar Sahib. Sankar Singh had about 20 Sikhs getting arms training from an ex-army official from the 1970s. They would go to his home for training and sometimes he would come to them. So this was confirmed by Bhai Singh, who lives in the UK, who was a double player, who was a child at the time in the Dabar and all these things went on to fight valiantly in 1984 and all got Shaheed. So they were getting military training from this period. So they were already prepping for the attack. And also, we already mentioned, and Babur Khasan, the Smash Regiment. So I listened to an interview of Gurnam Singh Bandala, who's a Sangha the Tuxal, who lives in India still alive. And Bandala was saying that his village is quite near to the border with Pakistan. So he used to purchase arms. From Pakistani smugglers and pay for them, and they would drop them to his into his land because the border was like a porous border, let's say, and it wasn't like a fenced one at that time. So they used to drop the stuff off in his uh, kit, and then he paid them. And then Prime Minister Singh Jahiru and General Lab Singh would come and collect those arms off him and use them. This is pre eighty four, Anna. and Santji also amassed a secret collection of arms too. And if you're thinking, if the Sangs are getting training from the 1970s, from Santhakar Singh's time, they will be collecting arms and stocking them and stockpiling them. And fortifications in the attack were mostly done by ex-Indian Army personnel, so General Sabeg Singh and others. So there's a Fodji Singh in the Babur Khalsa, and there's also Fodji Singhs who are still alive, who were in the attack, which we don't really talk about much because obviously they were in the attack, and so I'm not sure if they can speak. I don't want to mention some of the names. Uh, Dal Khalsa and the Council of Khalistan were seen as two political outfits at the time, prior to 84. So Dal Khalsa was led at the time by, by Gajinder Singh, who's in the top. He now lives in exile in Pakistan, and he served a sentence for uh, hijacking an aeroplane prior to 84 because of uh, persecution. I think the rest of something else is when he hijacked the aeroplane. He didn't use any arms. He had some sort of ball on him, some sort of ball, and he said it's a bomb. And he hijacked the plane to Lahore Airport. And he served a sentence in jail there as well in Pakistan. He now lives freely and openly. You can find his profile on uh, Facebook. You can even speak to him on there. Council of Khalistan was also a political body. So both these groupings as well, they had like offices in the Barsa prior to the attack. So these were the two bodies that you're seeing as outright Khalistani before 84. And again, the Gopal Singh Shahid Singh keeps popping up. And he's there again, sitting next to Balbir Singh Sandhu. So Balbir Singh Sandhu on the right-hand side, he was like a political spokesman for the Council of Khalistan. And uh, in 84, 5th of June 1984, he leaves the complex and goes to Pakistan. And he never came back to India. And he died out there in Pakistan. And uh, I'm not sure of the year of his death now, but it was reported in the press that he died out there. So he passed away there. So you can see he's quite old there in that fall trainer. So when he died, I can't remember it was now 20, probably like 5, 10 years ago. Now this... General, General Sinha, you can Google him and there's interviews with him. So when Santana was in court's arrest in 1981, uh, General Sinha was approached of how to arrest Santana Singh from Medha. And they asked him to sign off giving tanks 
to arrest something else. Then he said, what are you talking about? Why am I going to give you tanks for guys who've got like desi guns, like just like rifles and stuff? So you can just take some armed police officers, you're going to need the army to arrest him. And uh, so he refused to sign up for tanks. So he ate in the Ragandi at that point. And then when they approached him about uh, 1984 in June and attacking the Rabar site, the actual advice he gave was, do not attack, put it all on live TV, set up a godra, so he's basically do Prakash or Siddhagurugrat outside the clock tower and get people to Matadeg there. And then request the Sikhs inside, who they're saying thereafter, to then court arrest and come out peacefully. Obviously, none of his advice was listened to, Anna, and he then avoided like uh, promotions and stuff, whereas General Bedi and people like that took promotions by doing what Evindra Gandhi wanted to do. So, agreeing the attack in the Indian army, so you got uh, General Brar on the left, Vedya's in the mid, no, Vedya's in the middle, I think, and I think the one on the right is Sundarviana. There's also another one which was a Sardar who's in the photos, he usually got a red the star called uh, Ranjit Diyal. You can just see him behind the middle person, and you can see a small star coming out of that. That's Ranjit Diyal then. And there is another guy, a Muslim, I can't remember his name now, but he's still alive as well. He's got interviews on the on YouTube and stuff as well. So the Indian army signed off the attack. The Akali Dal also signed off the attack. So this is the interesting part. So I'm not saying Santa Longawal did, but some of the Akalis, Ramawal and people like that, and the Bargals and people like that, wanted the attack because they could no longer control Santa Al Singh. And they banned Santa Al Singh speaking off the stage at uh, Manji Sahib. So some speeches that you see on the internet are only up to, I think it's 82 or 83 possibly. But after that, Santa Nelson doesn't literally speak for a year off the stage. And all the speeches or any recordings you have are either on the roof on the Langar side or at the Kalkak side. And then so this assassination happens on the 13th April 1984. And there's a recording of Santa Nelson speaking one day after the assassination. And the assassination was actually done by the Akalis. And Santa Nelson had that surgery of Ekta uh, that much that he still didn't uh, assassinate the people who called the hit. So the people who called the contract, the people who actually assassinated Sodi, which was a, a woman and a, a, a guy, they were killed within 24 hours, the actual assassin dinner. And what the Indian government did is created fake hysteria of mass violence in Punjab and it being out of control. But when you look at the white paper carefully, they don't mention any arrest warrants for any Sikhs in the bar side. And the mass hysteria of mass violence, I've done this in my book anyway, in Reflections, we make comparisons of the violence in other states. So there wasn't actually a a violence problem in Punjab, which is what they were reporting. Preparations, the SAS were asked for advice, and British involvement is confirmed, even though they've destroyed most of the papers. We know 100% of the SAS did that. There's talk of models of the Barsai being made in the Jakarta Hills and other things, and uh, the SAS giving them advice of commanders how you could go in there and take them out. In terms of the Barsai, obviously, from 1604 till this present day, is the epicenter of Sikhs, it's our heartbeat, Anna. And the Indian government thought that force a hot track and the rest was peace, you know, how wrong they were. So in October 1983, they called President's Rule, which means they cancel the rule of the state government. So the state is ruled directly by the president. Indian Army training, we would have said this, and as the Sunday Times it reported this in 1984 as well. Sikh preparations also. There's no denial that Sikhs inside weren't preparing. Santana Singh says repeatedly the day the Indian Army attack is the day the foundation storm for Khalistan is laid down. So it's an inevitable standoff that was going to happen. Plus it comes in Sarsaki as well in terms of predictions and prophecies for the future. So things like that. And Garban and Abdurbar side that. 
So there's media blackouts as well. So it's very different to how you've got you've got so many platforms that we sit on this on Discord. Back then there was literally one channel in India, one TV channel, and the press was all uh, controlled by the state. So there was very independent uh, publishing or speaking, and if there was, the journalists would usually get charged with sedition. And electioneering again. So if you think what happens is Indira Gandhi, she calls the emergency, but then she loses the next election. And then the government doesn't last, then she gets re-elected. And now she's electioneering again as Durga, the goddess. So she's going to deal with the scourge of the Sikhs now. Whereas before it was free in Bangladesh, now she's going to deal with the Sikhs. She's Durga again. And that's what she's dealing with, Anna. So... The Indian army, we went inside with humility in our hearts and prayers on our lips, but we all know thousands of Sikhs died. So how they went in like that, that would have been the actuality if they'd done what General Sinha said, which is set by God outside and wait for people to leave. But they didn't do that. They opened fire indiscriminately. So constructing a th threat, Hannah. So vilify, create an artificial threat, justify excessive force. So that's what they were doing in the media. So weapons of mass destruction. We all saw in the Iraq war, there was never any. And in reality, in 1984, there's no threat to Indian national security from the Sikhs. That, so it's similar to what happened in the Iraq war. And it just, it just lies. And revenge for the emergency for the Sikhs and Sant Kaftar Singh in 1937 uh, sent in Nagar 40,000 Sikhs courted arrest. Nationally, 440,000 Indians court arrest. And that was during the emergency. Indra loses the election, like I just said, back in 1981. White paper says lawlessness, yet no charge sheets or arrest warrants for anyone in the Godore. And if you have to realise is, they're saying they're bar side, but they agree in their own white paper that they attacked another 42 or 44 got there. And again, no response for anyone. And DC Gurudev Singh, so he's like the magistrate for the whole of uh, Amritsar, so the highest ranking uh, civil administration officer, he refused to sanction the army to ent enter. And he was relieved of duties on the 2nd of June. And even the Punjab police in Amritsar, they actually said, look, we know Santaji, we know Jinder Lab Singh, we know all the Sengs. If you want us to go to arrest them, we know who they are, we can identify them and go in and pull them out. So even the Punjab police won't listen to. So it was all done through the centre. And it's clandestine on both sides and the preparations occurring. 70,000 army entered Punjab, 15,000 used in the attack. And then Lieutenant General Jagjit Singh Arora in 1984, he made this statement. So he's quite critical very critical of uh, the attack on that. So since independence, it was for the first time that the Indian army had been employed to fight a pitched battle against the position of its own people. The assault on the Golden Temple on the 5th to 6th of June, 1984, turned a shrine of great sanctuary into a battlefield. The immediate question that arises this, was the army action really necessary? Was it the only solution? My view is that it was not. So CRPF, which is the Central Reserve Police Force, so it's like an armed section of the police, they open indiscriminate fire upon the Dabar Sahib on the 1st of June without any warning between 12.40pm, so midday to 8pm. And the President of India at the time, Zalsin, confirms that in his memoirs. So you can purchase his memoirs and he actually says that no warning was given and uh, firing was open. Now there was an issue with Zalsin saying, because the Sikhs thought that he'd, because he's seen as the uh, Chief Officer of the Indian Army, that he'd actually approved the attack. But actually he didn't approve the attack because they'd signed off an ordinance in Punjab, whereby they wouldn't have to go for president's approval if they were going to call the army in. So actually they sidestepped him in a clever way. So I'm not saying Jail Singh would have approved or disapproved of the army going, but actually he didn't even know he was in the dark. So in his memoirs, he only released his memoirs when he's dead. So he 
So he had to say it when he died, but he then says he admits that no warning was given and they opened a miscommunication fire. Noel's response to fire from inside, from the seats inside, Anna. So we say that uh, by Menga saying response, but generally that it couldn't draw out anyone's fire, Anna, in terms of the rest of the Sikhs. And the White Piper's silent on the 1st of June, it doesn't say, it just says that it starts on the 2nd of June, Anna. And all in India radio is saying that firing from within the Bar on the 2nd of June, which is wrong, it was actually from outside. Devinder Singh Dugal, who was the librarian at the time, he says there's eight deaths on the 1st of June and 34 bullet holes in the bar, so some three inches wide as well on the 1st of June. So if you look at the video that Kshatri Khalsa just released, I'm not sure if it's on that, but uh, Brar saying that no, we didn't fire at the bar side at any point. Or I go in 1988 to Ramadar side, and I can see these three marks on the outer shell of Darbarsa when you go to Matadirkana, so I could see that with my own eyes in 1988, let alone in 1994. Anna. And the curfew was lifted at 8.30pm, so people could come and go from the uh, complex. Anna. By Menga Singh Sheed and sold to seven others. On the 2nd of June, so I'm doing this day by day because this is one of the questions that came from Discord as well. So Indira Gandhi does a national address, which is also on that video that's just been released. Anna. That, re that video, what you have to realise, that was propaganda tapes carried by the Indian government. And the tapes are actually three hours long. So Kshatri Khalsa, of the account, he's just uh, improved the quality of it. And he hasn't released all of it because he knows it's quite damning, the whole thing. Isn't it? And Indira Gandhi does a national address and she ends the appeal saying, don't shed blood, shed hatred. I remember actually seeing this on national TV in the UK as well, this appeal. And we all knew they're going to attack the Barsa at that time. Isn't it? At the time, she'd already authorised the army to, army to do precisely that, Hannah, to shed blood. And... Uh, so there's a quote from Kishwant saying there, Anna, so this is generate hatred, Anna, that the country hadn't experienced since independence. On the night of June, 2nd of June, so Kishwant was also very pro Indira Gandhi, but he turned on her at this point, Anna. So on the night of 2nd of June, the army replaces the CRPF and the BSF. So the BSF is the Border Security Force, all leaving the complex, yeah? And so anyone leaving the complex on the 2nd of June is arrested and interrogated. Sikhs allowed to enter for the Shidi board. The next day, on the 3rd of June, and 10,000 Sikhs entered and then trapped also as the trains were cancelled leaving Amritsarana. Foreign journalists were banned from Punjab by the 3rd of June. The pilgrims had been given no inkling or warning of either of sudden care if you were in an imminent attack. It was to be a black hole type of tragedy, not, asked, not out of forgetfulness, but out of deliberate planning and design. So innocent people slaughtered like rats, first letting them into the complex and then declaring the curfew which prevented them from going out. Thousands were caught unawares. Finally, when the survivors were asked to surrender, they were shot in cold blood. So that's from Amir Rao et al. So those people, there were a group of Hindu researchers who did the first eyewitness accounts, and their report was called Oppression in Punjab. It was published in 1985, and Citizens for Democracy was the name of the organisation. When they wrote that report, all of them were arrested under sedition as well. So there, there's, we had thousands of these reports lying around in the UK and even in Punjab. The Sikhs just published them en masse, even though it's banned, and to this day it's still banned, Anna. So the Shidi Bhavad Dijay Bash on the 3rd of June. On the 4th of June, so Sikhs are trapped, buses were cancelled, trains didn't leave on the 3rd of June, and no one could get out, and the army attack just starts, all out attack, firing and bombardment, all directions, non-stop until the 6th of June. So if you watch the Battle of Amritsar, this is where uh, Muki says that the first bomb sort of lands at Agartak side, when they're doing Kirtan, they go inside into the Kirtan. So they cut water and power, so the water tanks were blown up at this point, stop water in the complex. Up to 20,000 Sikhs inside, deaths from heat and dehydration. So you think of the June temperatures in India, even now today, like 40 degrees, 45 degrees. 
And the army actually said to Zeke's trapped inside when they saw them, to mix, uh, drink the mixture of blood and you run off the ground when people begged for water. And some even went to the extent of drinking water from drains mixed with blood because they could get that, anything else on it. And then on this day, Raghi Amrik Singh, who's doing Gitan in the Dabal, said he's killed by a gunshot from outside from the army. A female student near the Kaltak side asked for, uh, asked for people, the army asked people to surrender, and so they made an announcement. And many were desperate for water, so they went out, and in the morning she saw their dead bodies on the Purkarma. So these female students also mentioned that Citizens for Democracy report. So that's what she says. So she didn't go out, but she, the people who did surrender were killed. And 42 other Godras were alleged, were alleged terrorists taken, have also attacked Dana on the 5th of June. So the white paper saying terrorists in Godras across Punjab, and if no surrender, they flushed out. So the white paper is actually admitting this wasn't just about Darbar Sahib. It wasn't just about Santanal Singh. They're saying there's a statewide problem with Sikhs in Godre being armed. So they attack 42 Godre simultaneously across the whole of Punjab. Again, no charge sheets or escorts for any of these so-called terrorists. On the night of the 5th and 6th of June, the army take control of most of the complex. And then they go on to destroy, destroy the Galtak with the tanks. So it's about 10 a.m. that all fighting has ended. And curfew lifted between 12 to 5 p.m. And it's quite interesting because one of the interviews I did recently, the saying said to me, he escaped on the 5th of June. And then when the curfew is lifted between 12 to 5 p.m., he actually goes back to the Dabal Sahib and sees 13 tanks near Nanak Nivas and then Saras. So they didn't know he was a fighter. And then he, he escaped. You know? Many killed as they came out surrendering. Many surrendered as curfew lifted during the day. Arrested, the Saras removed, tied hands and shot point blank in the Burkarma. So there's a lot of those pictures going up, I think. Dorsh Khanna has an account on IG where you can see some of the photos and people looking for their relatives in it. So in terms of the defenders, so Sikhs who defend in such camp, the Bar Sahib, there's about 85 maximum really. The list of the Shaheeds, I think it's about 78 people. The list of like actual Shaheeds in there, is, I think at the moment, I think the list we've got, I can't recall, and I think it's about, we've got to about four or 500 people now. So tribute 80 or 1984, the website, we've got a list on there now that we've collated recently by amalgamation and cross-reference cross in some of the list. But in, in actuality, thousands died, but actual fighting Sikhs, even if there was a maximum of 200, a lot of them left on the 5th of June, and I saw the actual fight to the end, and it was about 85, and they listed the actual sheets in the attack in the Ajayab Khan. So if you go to the museum in Darbar side and you walk to the end of the museum, the names are listed on the wall there. And Gurmeet Singh Jima, He's an eyewitness, and he says 800 people were massacred in Guran Dasara at the end of the attack, whereby the army threw grenades and started firing upon women and children in the Saras, and this is where people are collated. General Sabayak Singh fortified the complex, as we already mentioned earlier on. Weapons. General Brahar makes the accusation that why did they have complicated weapons and all this, Anna? So it's just, it's nonsensical, Anna, because Shemit Basha sets up a Kaltak side on the basis of going against Mughal Raj and breaking their laws, which is you cannot sit on a platform higher than six foot. So Maharaj made a platform 13 foot. You cannot raise an army, so Maharaj raised an army. You can't hold arms, so Maharaj held arms. Maharaj used guns at the time. Maharaj used it. Hanji. Oh, all right. I could hear some voices. No, stop now. Just continue. All right, so why 45, Anna? It's always been a, fo a focal point of our revolution, as it was in the emergency. You know? So it's always been a place where Sikhs have taken refuge. It's not that it's not been. So that's why the Sikhs did what they did. And the Sens inside were never fought back and they were attacked. They knew if they didn't fight back, more people would have got killed. 
So persecution of the Sikhs. So army started doing calming operations after June 1984. Arrest, torture and hold of And village after village was surrounded. The houses of Sikhs never Hindus were searched for arms. Sikh young men taken for questioning, beaten up and tortured. Amongst people charged and declared absconders arrested were retired army officers as well. So these army officers giving their lives to the Indian state and then they were arrested and declared terrorists. So for one to three months the army presence remains in Punjab. Now this is like a complete blackout. So we've got the odd quote like this, but we have no idea of the real uh, numbers involved in what was called Operation Woodrow, so like a calming operation across the whole of Punjab. And at this point, a lot of the Sikhs are on the run. So the Gubbar Khalsa Sings, for one year, everyone assumed they were Shaheed. Robert Harker Sings on the run as the leader of the Paksal for a whole year. And numbers of arrests are known again, at least 8,000 in October still held, and that's what we know. Questions. So these are the questions that some of you had put in the Discord as well. Was Operation Blue Star reported on internationally immediately? Yes, news bulletins across the globe and on TV and print media, but India controlled the narrative. That's what you have to realise. Google Darshan was the only TV channel and print media controlled solely, solely overcoming once eyewitness accounts began to make so that Citizens for Democracy report was 1994. Those who printed them were charged with sedition. So Brahmachalani is one of the people that's always mentioned in that as being in seeing dead Sikhs and stuff with their hands tied behind their backs because he, he remained in Amritsar. But Brahmachalani, you can actually find him on Twitter. He's never spoken ever again about 1984. He's still alive, still a journalist, but he's never ever spoken. So you'll see him quoted, but he never spoke about it ever again. He was silenced. So he was charged with sedition, which is basically going against the state for telling the truth. And then, was the November genocide reported on too? Yes, again, TV coverage occurred, but made out to be sporadic riots. So it wasn't reported as a genocide or a pre-planned thing. It was just saying, oh, Indira Gandhi has been killed by Sikh bodyguards, and now there's riots occurring. And I saw a TV interview just the other day by saying, and he was saying he was there at the hospital when Amitabh Bachchan arrives there to go into the hospital where Indira Gandhi has been shot. And he says, Are you a Sikh? And he says, yes. And when Amitabh Bachchan's going to the hospital, he says, uh, which means he's a traitor to the nation. And these Sikhs are Gadars, everyone attacking him, and the guy gets attacked by everyone outside the hospital. No? And even Gianni Jalsing, who was the president of India at the time, when he comes to the hospital, even his cars attacked as well. So they used the Gianni Zalsing thing as a thing to say even the president wasn't spared, but they made it out to be just like a communal racism thing against Sikhs. But we have TV news reports of Sikhs in ref refugee camps. If you find some of those clips, so several of us of British organisations of Sikh students uh, in the UK released that, that footage. So it should be on YouTube somewhere. And so we've got like collation of news reports of Sikhs in refugee camps. And so posts being targeted and displaced from their homes. Foreign intervention in Operation Blue Star was one of the questions. So Israel, UK and US saw rumours of Pakistan and CIA. UK 100% gave advice on how to storm the complex by the SAS and elite soldiers unit. But that all failed because the commandos that did attack in the complex, they all failed. So if you look at any uh, armed strategy, any army that fights always protects their soldiers first. And when they attacked the Rabah side, they had to bring tanks because that was the only way they were going to win the battle. So it got to that level with air support, with bombing as well from the air and things like that. So it came to the level they had to take. Uh, armed carriers. 
CIA is very murky as an agency and always keeps tabs on what is going on, but pro-Pakistan at the time. I'm not going to mention who I think was CIA operatives in the complex because it gets complicated because you get uh, Discord might get charged with the, uh, what do we say? Uh, you can get charged with uh, speaking wrongly against someone. But we'll just leave it at that, yeah? But anyway, India accuses Pakistan of propping up the six to fight, but very scanty evidence to substantiate the claim. Although, again, Pakistan will keep close watch on development. So this is my view. I'm not saying Israel or USSR didn't have a role in this, Anna. So like I saw Bandala's interview who's saying that Israel was helping India. I'm not sure. I've not seen anything in this, Anna. But other people fighting for liberation and freedom actually supported Indira Gandhi. So Yasser Arafat of Palestine was pro Indira Gandhi. Cubans, Fidel Castro, was friends with Indira Gandhi. So it's juxtaposed. Like when you look at this history and you see Fidel Castro coming to Indira Gandhi's funeral, Arafat coming to Indira Gandhi's funeral and saying, oh, Sadiq Bayan Margi, basically, Anna. And then Sikhs are getting murdered on the streets of Delhi for that many days. Carry on with your questions that you put on there. So role of local population Operation Blue Star, did they support the Sikhs? Yes, they did support the Sikhs. Many came out to save the Sikhs longer, risk their lives and all gave refuge to escaping Sikhs. It is said many of the fighting Sikhs actually survived by taking refuge in the homes of Hindus who were sympathetic. So that's the Babra Khalsa Sikhs. That's what I've been informed by Sikhs, you know them. Locals came out and celebrated the army at the end of the attack as well. So you got this uh, extremes and that of one people supporting Sikhs, but then uh, these people coming out at the end of the attack giving alcohol or cigarettes to the army. But this would be extremist Hindus and all those propped up by the government because the government wants to make out as if this happened. Anna. But the general population of Amritsar is pro-Sikh and loves Harmandar Sahib. Anna. So when we look at uh, Shiv Sen and stuff, it's very, uh, very fringe in Punjab. And they'll do one uh, video uh, making a bland statement about the Saints or the Sikhs and then the next day they'll be apologising because they've got no support. And Shiv Sena across India isn't as bad as the Punjab one. The Punjab one is actually the worst branch, which is goes totally anti-Sikh. Why Sanjana Singh was not an agent? Anna? And my answer to this, an agent is of use. Sanjana was independent from day one. Sanjana Singh had gone against Indira Gandhi. So why would she go back to the same Taksal, who had been her main Sikh opposition, a major thorn, which led to her election last in 1981? Uh, but the Akalis are the ones who peddled this lie. Guess Sanjana is a tool of the Congress. Anna? Why was the movement justified? Only fighting for the rights of Punjab. That's what the Sikhs were doing prior, prior to 1984. That's why the movement was justified. It was peaceful. We had the sporadic assassinations of the odd people, but overall, Sikhs were en masse, courting arrest peacefully, and very little actual Sikh demands and a Sikh-specific demand. So it wasn't a communal problem. Were demands to improve autonomy of all Indian states, uh, as we already said, and improve the economic fabric of all Punjab. And now, questions continued, where you lot start being controversial and trying to get me beat up by the Buddha Dal. What was the role of Baba Santa, Santa Singh in 1984? He didn't participate in the Dharmi of the Morja from 1982, nor had any role in 1984. So that question was there. I've answered the question. I'm not going to go beyond that question. I don't need to expand on that. Real figures of deaths in Operation Blue Star. The government white paper says 493 Sikhs were killed. And when they say the 493 Sikhs, they list it as terrorists and innocents dash. So they're not saying at the 493 Sikhs that were killed, who was fighting against them, who wasn't. So they're actually admitting they have no idea who they killed. 96 injured and 592 arrested. So the 592 that were arrested mostly end up in Jodhpur jail in Rajasthan. And there was even children 
as part of these arrests as well. So I'm talking about like kids under the age of 14 were arrested as well. Kishwant Singh, the author who's probably in Dragandi before the attack, and that said in excess of 5,000 dead Sikhs. And Ved Manawaha, who used to be like a governor of a state and a high ranking police officer as well, in his book he says 4,712, which seems like a really obscure figure. So he might have got it from a government source. But there is also all other people saying, like, uh, Rajiv Gandhi made a statement somewhere saying, I think, 7,000. But then he retracted the statement and you can't find it now. But there is talk of that. But I would say definitely uh, in the thousands for Sikhs. Uh, where were the Nahang Sengs and Karl Safar June 1984? Again, trying to get me beat up. There would have been some Nahang Sengs in the complex. And my view is this. All Sikhs were Amaratari are Nahangs. All the Nagulke Sengs wore Nahang Bana. So Nagulke is a pen bend. And there's a lot of Nogul Ganjathana who fought and any attack. The Khal Safaj is who fought in 1984, as far as I'm concerned. And those who carried the battle on after 1984, after June. That is the Khal Safaj. So I'm not sure who this question is trying to allude to. Because Afaj is someone who's actually up, uh, uh, active, Anna, not retired, or not ex. So Afaj is who actually sort of practice the art of warfare, Anna. I'm not in part of the Khal Safaj, as far as I'm concerned, unless I do something that Afaji would do. Otherwise, I'm just calling him Afadji by name, not by nature. And uh, so you're only an army if you practice warfare needed by the nation that you proclaim to protect. In Delhi alone, in 1984, in November, uh, 200 Goddara were attacked with the Masabi Adbiya. And the Sikh forge then rose, as no peace could be had with such large-scale desperation of Sikh, Sikhi and Goddara. So the Faj rose. That's for you to decide who that Faj was. And what uniform they were, what sampradaya they were associated, what jathabandi. But that was the Faj, because the Faj actually came to the forefront and fought. They didn't sit at home enough. I'm actually pleased with myself, did in 54 minutes? Any questions? I don't know how this Discord works now. Go on, Bambio, whoever the moderator is. Ajibagri, you're done? Yeah. Okay, good, Bambio. Um, so, I would ask the moderators. Would you please uh, post the questions from the question box so we can ask by Saudi. And if anyone feels like um, asking a question, please feel free to mute, unmute, and uh, ask your questions. <clears throat> so, by Saudi, I will tag you in uh, one channel now. Uh, by Saudi, can you see the event question box channel? Oh, no, you can't. Just give me a second. I'll just give you that permission. Okay. Yep, got it now. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So there's a question with evidence. Yeah. Yes. You can go ahead and read that huh? out. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Where is it? One second. I'll see. Okay. I can't, I can't see your question. Okay. Just, just a second. Mm-hmm. You do not have permission to view the message history of the event question. So there's. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna send Sonora the Gantha Noon. Just a second, you should be. Okay. The boy Sabji. A question is. With evidence showing that India planned a systematic genocide of the Sikhs, Blue Star, followed by Woodrow's and 
शुद्धिकरण एंड ऑर्केस्ट्रेटेड किलिंग्स इन नवंबर फैसिलिटेटेड एंड कॉरेज्ड बाय द स्टेट हाउ कैन द इंटरनेशनल कम्युनिटी स्टे साइलेंट सच एस द यूएन व्हाट इज द डिफरेंस इन कंडमनेशन बिटवीन द सिख जेनोसाइड एंड से द ज्यूइश होलोकॉस्ट इट्स क्वाइट सिंपल फर्स्टली If you think about it like this, we're going to go to the G- UN, United Nations. We don't have a single vote at the United Nations. What do we bring to the table? We can't control one nation to vote for us. We can't buy one vote at that table. So, Sikhs have done it recently. They took the genocide uh, petition by Sikhs for Justice. So we got a million Sikhs to sign the petition, and Sikhs who work with the UN. knew what to do so they got it petitioned but nothing happened that went nowhere so the problem we have is as a community the jews and the holocaust and everything that happened with uh, world, world war 2 the jews were politically placed after world war 2 to actually carve out a state out of nothing in essence and because palestine existed at the time and through palestine and through arms and everything else that actually made a new sort of colonial state and a set up by colonial powers but the jews were in places of power in other states where they could control uh politiana so when i was in the uk and i was a student so like when the dinosaurs were born there was a budde hoge there's a organization called the national union of students and as part of this organization students we went twice to the national conference and some of our sayings were quite uh, friendly with the UJS which is the Union of Jewish Students and what used to happen is the president of the National Union of Students back then would only become the president if the UJS backed that person as the Union of Jewish Students so if you look in terms of UK population the UK population of Jews is the same as Sikhs in the UK so the Jews were even controlling even to might may still be the case the national scene of uh student politics and whoever becomes the president of the national union of students usually has a very prosperous uh, future as a politician so tony blair was the leader as well at one point and and he became the president the prime minister of the uk chica so in terms of uh, international condemnation and stuff the sikhs back in the day did open a palestine uh, embassy in uh, ecuador so we got one south american state back in us opened a embassy there I don't know if it was like of any use but they did a little uh uh press release went there and it was a council of college and I know Dr. Jagdeep Singh Chauhan leading it so they did do that back in the day but really internationally we've never had any support in terms of our movement and since September the 11th it's become very hard for Sikhs to support the Sangharshan stuff so Sikh organizations got banned across America UK and other places so it's become even worse and all right so the second question uh I'm going to go on to so what can we do for 1984 campaigns outside of India the first thing you can do all of you as young people uh siddhu mosawala maria yeah got shot how many people it doesn't end it's been how many days yeah our whole social media is full of siddhu mosawala siddhu mosawala's death drowned out the 84 posts that we usually do Yeah so that voice really got drowned out I'm not saying it should have or it shouldn't have happened but my point is as an author and an educator it really uh, grinds my gutty let's say whereby Sikhs sit on social media and every year you've got new Sikhs 
churning out new tweets and other things when people like me have written whole books for you lot to take the book and just regurgitate it. I don't care. Put your own name to the tweet. We don't care. The whole reason we create this footage art is for you lot to be armed with information. And if you're not armed with the information, how can we fight Arsene Gardif? So Arsene Gardif is all based on us being intellectual and having intellectual arguments. So it shouldn't be down to myself. It shouldn't be down to Shamshir saying an SYF. Shouldn't be down to the few Sikhs who put their head out or their neck out. Every Sikh should be educated in our recent history and know how to politically fight this fight. And then after that, once we're educated ourselves, then we can enter other spheres of life and do that for a job. And then you've got a next question on this. Can you touch upon Bhajan and Baba Tarkasandhi about something in Jadavikala and provide some context? So this is a controversial point, yeah? So some sayings, I spent time with Baba Tarkasandhi. And while Babaji was alive, I believe the Bhajan that Sant's alive, Anna. So there's two ways of interpreting this Bhajan, Anna. So either Sant Janal Singh's alive and escaped and didn't get Shaheed in 1984. And I don't condemn those Sikhs who believe that. I do condemn those Sikhs who say we're waiting for Sant to come because we can't do anything to them till then. Because Sukhan didn't have believed Sant Janal Singh was alive, but they still fought and gave Shaheed the Anna and they killed Vendia. So the Sangs in the movement who believe Sant was in Jalbikala. And they still did the Sangarsh. So my argument is, if someone is saying, Santin Jardikala, if Santin Jardikala turns up today, he's going to turn around and ask you, what did you do for the Sangarsh? And if he said, oh, I was waiting for you, I think he'll slap you. So that's one to those people who say Santin Jardikala. Secondly is, I personally believe now, I've changed my view over the years, which is Sant will come back, but he's going to come back in another body, and he will accept a call of Sant. So Babaji's button still become true. And some people try to argue that, oh, Babaji not declaring Sant Janal Singh being Shaheed threw the movement backwards. But if you actually look at Sengs who fought in the Sangash, a lot of them believe Sant was alive, but they carried on giving Shaheed the and they carried on fighting. So that didn't affect them. So I'm not sure who they're talking about of it affecting or stopping. Anyway, that's the two questions. Is there any more? Or can I go to sleep? It's the Atmanji or would the massacre in October and November still have happened if Indra wasn't killed? So you mentioned earlier in this, uh, uh, in the first question, Anna, Operation Shuddhikaran, Anna. So Operation Shuddhikaran, I think, is mentioned by Sangat Singh in his book, which is a mass raping operation. And even the October and November massacres, what the Sikhs who were in the know actually say is that it was already planned to mass kill the Sikhs. And if you look at what happens, Indira Gandhi gets assassinated on the 31st of October. But by night, on the 31st of October, Sikh houses are already identified. So like little signs put on Sikh houses, paint, whatever it may be. And then they're attacked systematically. So how could they get state apparatus to attack so quickly if it wasn't already pre-planned? So what the argument in the Sangarshi is that they were going to do it anyway. And the killing of Indira Gandhi just brought it forward. It was going to happen anyway. Paisabji, is there um, any way uh, we can support you? So please let us know. What can we do to support Avji? And in terms of our books and everything else, it's uh, you can buy them from Amazon. And our, our website, we don't really sell the books through there. So some of the links might be broken, but you can get them from Amazon on anywhere. Okay. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, that's it really. I don't think there's anything. So okay, everyone, make sure to to fulfill Paisab's wish and do a dance for them. Um, Baki Paisabji, uh, we'll post all your social media links here. I'll get them from you. 
and I'll pa paste yeah. that here. The, thank you for coming on, Paisab. Very honored to have you. Thank you for the talk and taking out the time. Um, I apologize because speaking to a screen is very hard. I might have spoken too quickly. So, thank you so much. All right, then. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.